welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, I hope that you're happy and healthy, or at the very least, healthy and just keeping it together. Um, I think sometimes that's the best that we can we can hope for, but I hope that you are as happy and healthy as can be. Before I even dive into today's episode, I got to remind you, uh, this is the end of October now. My cookbook, It Takes Guts, is officially out there in the world. It is in stores. It is available online. You can go to your local Barnes & Noble chapters, depending on where you live. You can, of course, always get it quickly and easily online at Amazon and any of those fine websites where you buy books. The link uh, to buy will be in my um, show notes, but I'm just super excited that it's out there in the world. I would love to uh, see you guys if, you, if you've purchased the book, start making some recipes, tag me in some pictures if anything turned out really good or not. I mean, either way, let me know. <laughs> Um, and I would love for you, if you did buy the book and enjoy it, to leave me a review online because that makes a big difference. More people will see it. More people will get access to it. If you give some feedback and show your love, that would mean so much to me. Um, so let me know how it's going. If you got your copy and you're starting to make some recipes, if you're reading some of it and, and are entertained or learning something new, please let me know. It would mean a lot to me. And also, if you are interested in learning more about like the background of the book and how I wrote it and why organ meats are good and all of those things. There are a couple episodes that you can go back and reference. I did an interview with carnivore MD Paul Saladino, another big proponent of uh, animal protein and nose-to-tail eating and organ meat specifically. You can go back to that episode and check it out. I also did a Q&A episode with my good friend and recipe developer, Beth Lipton, uh, who also contributed to the book. And we talk about organ meats and nose-to-tail eating a little bit in a, a previous episode. So I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Um, and then I also have very exciting and a little bit different than what I normally do. I am doing an interview coming up soon with the photographer of my cookbook, who happens to be one of my dearest friends. Um, she is not in the health and fitness industry. I don't think she listens to this podcast very much, so it's going to be a bit of a different episode. She's not um, necessarily uh, uh, somebody that you'd you'd reach out to for um, you know fitness or health advice, but she is an incredibly accomplished human being who took some amazing pictures for my cookbook, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, so we're going to kind of dive into that process, what it's like working with your friend, what it's like doing a cookbook in the middle of a pandemic. Um, lots of stories. So anyway, I hope you stay tuned for that. But today's episode, let's get back on track. I interviewed integrative dietitian Esther Blum, a good friend of mine, really, really smart, awesome person. Um, she's a holistic nutritionist. She's an author of a number of books. The one that I uh, found her through is... Um, Cave Women Don't Get Fat, which is <laughs> kind of a clever uh, title, just to kind of talk about the idea of honoring your your body and your ancestry and your physiology and, and how you're kind of supposed to eat and move through the world as dictated by our physical bodies. Um, I thought it was kind of a, a, an interesting, cool and sort of cheeky book. But anyway, she comes on today to talk to me um, about sort of everything, her, her uh, coaching business, her work that she does online now. And if you want um, to, if you listen to this episode and you like her and you want to go check her out and maybe work with her, um, 
electronically, you can reach out. Uh, her website is just estherblum.com, and I'll put that in the show notes um, so you can work with her. But she is, I think, similar to me and in a way that I want to keep hammering home in this podcast. She is all about getting to the root cause, getting to know the person as an individual before just kind of slapping a Band-Aid on people's problems, uh, and also approaching health with the idea that this is a lifelong journey. This is something that's going to take time. It's going to take consistent effort. It isn't just everybody do carnivore and you'll be fit in a week or just lose a bunch of fat and you'll be fine now. And then see you later. There's a lot more to being healthy and happy. Um, than just kind of following somebody's rules for a couple of weeks. So she's about nuance. She's about research. She's about really understanding. Um, and that I think is very important. And it's an approach that we all need to kind of wrap our heads around if we want to get healthy and stay healthy. So Esther's awesome. This episode's great. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please leave a rating and review. Please share it with somebody who could benefit. As always, it means so much to me that you're here, that you're listening, um, and that you're a part of the community. So thank you. And here is my interview with the awesome Esther Blum. All right, Esther, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Thanks, Ashley. How you doing? <laughs> Good. This is, um, it's been a little while. I have had you on the podcast before, but that was in the earlier iteration of the podcast. So this is your first time officially on Muscle Maven Radio. So welcome. All Again. right. Woo-woo. Thank deal. you. Thank you. Um, yes. Okay. So I have tons of questions. I have lots of things I want us to get into, but first and foremost, maybe, because I think you do a better job of it, why don't you just briefly talk to our listeners about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So Esther Blum, integrative dietitian, which means I'm a clinically trained dietitian. I have a bachelor's and master's in clinical nutrition. And after about five years in hospitals, I went rogue and got certified in functional medicine um, because I knew there was a much greater way to help people and prevent illness early on rather than dealing with it for people who were at much later stage in life. Uh, and I do this through diet, through clinical testing, through specific customized uh, supplement protocols, and then lifestyle management and mindset tools. So between all of those things, people really heal from chronic illness, understand how to utilize their own voice, understand how to manage a medical team. Um, and that's what they get out of it. I'm also a mom. I have a 13 year old son. I have a dog. I have a husband. I got the whole shebang. You got it all. You're busy. I got it all. I got a garden and uh, a beautiful practice. So I'm, I'm very lucky. I that's feel really awesome. lucky today. Yeah. That's awesome. I, and having a garden sounds like something that is becoming increasingly popular. I think, uh, during this time of all of us being home and trying to find things to do and things to do that are good for us instead of bad for us. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit too, but, um, your practice, has it always been mostly, uh, like sort of telecommuting or over the computer or were you meeting with clients in person and how has that changed? Yeah, so for the past bunch of years, it's been a virtual practice just because, so I've, one thing I forgot to mention in the bio, I have four books that I've written. So, <laughs> so um, you know, that brings clients to me from all over the world. Um, so I do, I really have met very few of my clients, my recent clients in person because I see people in California, I see people in Chicago, I see people in Switzerland. Um, so it really depends. Uh, but yeah, so I'm very fortunate in that 
during COVID, like there was no transition for me. In fact, I have never been so busy in my life, which again, I'm, I'm really grateful for because people are understanding and recognizing self-care and particularly immune function right now is paramount. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can relate to the being busier than ever during the quarantine and being equal parts grateful and freaked out about it, to be honest with you. Um, but I guess I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, before we go any further, I just want to, just logistical thing. I think your mic is in your headset and yeah, when you're touching it, it's making feedback noises. So okay, just be careful. Like that sounds, Thank you. if you leave it, it's fine. But just because I know, because I'm like a hand talker too. So just be careful because it's, okay. it's making noises. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay. So back to the work that you're doing. Do you, and I know that you um, focus a lot on hormonal health, which is of course incredibly important and incredibly complicated, especially for women. Do you work exclusively with women or do you work with men as well? No, I actually have quite a few male patients in my practice, and my people who come to me age from uh, range from age seventeen to seventy three. Literally, it's just that you know, if you were to do a bell curve, the the center, the epicenter of my practice are perimenopausal, menopausal, and postmenopausal women. But you know, I see people who have typically gone to about ten doctors before me or ten practitioners. No one's doing appropriate testing. They say, I know something's wrong with me. And they're told, just go home, you know, nice pat on the hand, have a glass of wine and take a walk outside every night, which is what many doctors told me for many years too, when I was struggling with my health. So I work with those people. We do uh, hormone and or gut testing, parasites and really look under the hood um, and get them feeling better and figure out exactly what the root cause of their illness is. And it's never complicated. Like, I don't understand why more doctors aren't doing it. It's obviously a lack of training. That's the problem in that arena. But it's like, it's so easy and it's so easily dismissed by doctors. And I'm like, you can dismiss it, but I have proof that your your own patient's feeling better and actually can get out of bed now. So tell me what's wrong with this whole system here. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like there's a difference too between simple and easy. Like oftentimes, once you uncover the true root cause of an issue, you will realize that there is a simple solution, but obviously it's not always easy for people to make the changes required or else we'd all be super healthy with perfectly healthy digestive systems, right? So there's obviously, I think a lot of the time there's a gap between like getting that knowledge and and that awareness and then enacting the behavior changes that create it. And we do have this culture now and this medical system that is much more ready to just read one line, slap a Band-Aid on it and go, go on your way because that's simple and that's easy from the medical system's perspective, right? It's a lot easier than sitting down with a human being, figuring out your history and underlying causes and like getting to know the individual, right? And, and you know, this isn't to, to just bash all doctors because it's a whole, it's a systemic issue, right? That we've created where people feel like they don't have the resources or the training or the time or the ability to get to know people. So they just say, here's some medication instead, which is why it's fortunate that there are, are people like you and functional medicine doctors as well, who are like, all right, we're going to slow this down and really like figure out the problem. Um, but going back to what you said, I think that, that one of the key issues is what you said at the top of this, which is these underlying health um, 
practices, which is sort of like stress management and sleep and sorting out your digestive system and all of that stuff, um, which we can all talk about until we're blue in the face, but because they aren't quick and easy, um, sexy, take this pill or do this one thing for a week and drop 40 pounds, right? Um, people don't usually come back around to it until like you said, they've seen 10 people already, it hasn't worked and they're like, all right, I gotta do this real, this real underlying work first, right? So how do yeah. you, how do you start that process with a client? Is it usually that they're just so frustrated and tired that they're willing to do anything at that point? Or is there, is there something, is there a, a process that you work on with them that helps them understand that there isn't a quick fix, there isn't necessarily a medication, it's you gotta change your life? All, the answer is A, B, and C, all ends of the spectrum, right? So some people come to me, and I mean, everyone loves the testing out of the gate because that is like, it's a really clear picture of like, oh, this, you know, if I look at someone's neurotransmitters, I could say, this is why you're not sleeping at night or you're not even making melatonin or your cortisol curve is so crazy that you're just like riding that highway like no one's business. So everyone loves the testing, but the lifestyle change and the mentality around it is, those are my life's work truly. Um, and I'll speak to each of those in a separate example. So example A is, uh, a client of mine, uh, let's call her Lisa, not her true name, but you know, she came to me, she gave herself type two diabetes. She's a French trained chef and like was working her butt off during COVID doing this hundred day challenge where she had put up new gorgeous cooking videos every single day. I don't know if, and you know, Ashley, like just doing your book alone and the photographs for that. And then writing all the content. So imagine doing that, like, but actually preparing incredible full meals that a French trained chef would make. Right. And, um, you know, I said, honey, and, and we're, we're doing her testing. We haven't gotten her results back, but you know, first things first, she gave herself type two diabetes because she was going to bed at 2 AM. She was already overweight, but going to bed at 2 AM and waking up at seven. Um, hello, in her 40s. That's great when you're in college, maybe for like a week or two. Mm -hmm. But, and I said to her, dude, you actually have to just sleep earlier. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be exactly at 1030 every night. But like the work at, and she was starting to work at 10 or 11 at night when her kids went to sleep because she was also homeschooling them. So I was like, we're going to reconcile this. And she said, I'm having an existential crisis. I said, you should be. <laughs> you should be. I said, you have to decide if you can repurpose your content for a year and actually heal yourself or if you want to stay sick and like eventually have a heart attack or something much worse. So since then, right? And she would say, I haven't lost any weight yet. I haven't lost any weight yet. I haven't lost any weight yet. And I couldn't get her to also log her food because she's like, I'm a French trained chef. I put 20 million ingredients. I'm like, that's lovely. You got to figure this out. You're giving me nothing to work with here. But I said, let's just start with sleep. Okay. She starts going to sleep earlier. And like last week emails me or texts me, I, I lost a pound. Great. Today, this morning, she texted me, I lost two more pounds. Like, of course you did. Her eating hasn't changed. She started to incorporate more activity, but nothing strenuous. Um, and it's like the big rocks are what matter, okay? And so she, and, and the beautiful thing is, she doesn't need any motivation to keep doing this because the, the numbers are there. And we can never numbers, argue with the numbers. The numbers never lie. 
So she literally seeing the scale move after, you know, we've been working together a couple months because it took that long for her to say, oh, screw it. I finally like, I give up. I can't win doing this. We're still chipping away at the food log, okay? But I'm like, just do three days here. Let me look at your blood sugar numbers. You know, I got her to wear a continuous glucose monitor. You know, all these, and her blood sugar like went from the 300s to the 110s, 120s, quick. Wow. So there's a lot that she was doing, but it takes time to see results. Which brings me to patient B, who I'll call Stephanie. And Stephanie hasn't seen any weight loss yet because... We are still uncovering her issues. You know, she had a lot of cortisol issues. She had a lot of emotional eating issues. And we worked on those, but she really has like methylation issues. So I need to keep sending her for more testing. And in the meantime, she's like, we're really working on the psychological piece of her accepting her body, you know, heavier than she wants it to be. And that's really hard. She cries often and we and and by the time we get off the call she's in a new space but it's it's a constant reminder of constant work and you know everyone has their own unique path healing is not only about taking some vitamins and eating a steak and some spinach it's really you know a lot of our stress and our hormones it's driven from the top down and most people don't realize that our thoughts and our stress drives our hormones or in many cases bottom them out and that's Huge. like really hard to get back. Let me tell you, hard. I'm starting to believe that one of the biggest um, skills or requirements for a good like health coach or even a, a functional medicine physician or um, the kind of work that you do is literally patience over everything else. Because one of the things I talk about all the time when I was working with clients and even when I'm just kind of speaking more informally through the podcast or to, to people in my life is that it's going to take longer than you want it to always getting healthy. Always it's going to take longer. And that's why so many people who are on the right path, if they had just walked down it a couple steps further would have seen the changes that they needed to get that motivation to keep going. But we give up like just because we think it takes a week and it takes three, or we think it takes three months and it takes six. And that's just the way it goes. And really it takes your entire life. I think is the other thing we need to like re reposition that, that idea that, that health is like this thing you have to do for three months to get to the end goal, which we all know is not really how it works, right? We have to just constantly be working. Um, but you touched on with the, your first client. It's funny because you mentioned you had her on a continuous glucose monitor and I literally just put one on. Like I'm, I'm on like week, I just started week two of doing this for the very first time. And I swear all it's given me is like poor self-esteem. <laughs> we can talk about this. Oh, really? No. Why? Okay. So and I mean, I want to, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more once I've kind of like, totally talk about it. once I've yeah. gone through like the, the actual experiments and stuff that I'm, that I wanted to do, but I've never used one for the, the main reason being that I don't tend to be somebody who very obsessively tracks anything. Um, and I realize that it's kind of, it's a relatively privileged position where I don't have to for my health. Like I, I, I'm pretty like on top of things. I've done a lot of self-experimentation. I generally know when something's working, when something isn't. With that said, of course, tracking and testing is important because you need to get baselines. And sometimes you may think something's working and it's not, right? So 
anyway, the CGM thing was just always something I just wasn't particularly interested in. I'm like, I'm not keto. I don't really care. Like, it's fine. Like, I'm fine. I know what I like to eat. I know what makes my body feel good. I really don't need this. Um, and then I was, you know, talking to a company and they're like, yeah, but it would be fun. Like, experiment. Like, just do it. And I'm like, all right, what the <laughs> hell? Right? Like, literally, what the hell? That's kind of how I feel about fun. most of it. Well, you know, our idea of fun in this industry is a little bit different, but um, so anyway, so a couple things uh, that right off the bat, when I put it on, the morning that I put it on, I started my period, which I feel like may, we can talk about this, but I feel like hormones, that's going to kind of affect some things. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty stressful week, but again, it's like, you can't wait until you're having like a chill week to like put this thing <laughs> on, you know what I mean? Cause like, are you ever, but I just feel like it was like this perfect storm of me, like looking at my blood sugar and being like, what the hell is going on? Um, but anyway, so, and then of course, I think I was also like maybe comparing what I thought my results or my value should be to someone who is in ketosis, because that's, it seems like everybody online who's using these things, it's like just to just to show that you're, you like literally have no sugar in your blood because you're, you've been in ketosis for so long. So anyway, all that to say, it has given me some interesting information. It has shown me, um, you know, how I react to certain foods better or worse. And, but I think one of the things that's interesting to me, I don't want to get too off topic because this, this all kind of comes around, but one of the things that's interesting to me is that I always considered myself relatively metabolically flexible, right? Like I can go a day without eating and I'm cool. I can go a week where I'm eating no carbs and I, I perform pretty well. I can go a week where I'm eating like pretty high carb and like it's fine, you know, whatever. I thought it was pretty sorted out. But one of the things that I'm noticing is when I do, when I was having meals for like testing purposes that were very high glycemic and, and high carb and I'd see my blood sugar shoot up, right? And I'd look at it and it would be like one, it would be in like in the 150s or something. And I'm like, oof, that's not good. That's like red zone. Like that, that isn't good. I did not notice physically any issues. So I'm not getting like energy crashes. I'm not getting jittery. I'm not feeling weird in any way. Um, and so- What were you eating? Let's discuss okay. your- is your high glycemic is not Homer Simpson high glycemic. Sure. I mean, so two, oh. two things that I remember from last week that jacked me up were um, two dinners. One was sushi. And I kind of did this on purpose, right? Like I ate like a bunch of sushi because I was just yeah. like, let's see what happens. I like it. So sushi did it. And then I had another meal that was, I think it was like protein, you know, like ground beef, maybe like some regular sort of protein. And then I had plantain chips on the side. And I love plantain chips. Oh, that one jacked me right up, right? But so just again, before you kind of like give me your, your thoughts on this, my feeling, my reaction to this now is it, I'm, I'm learning things about portion sizes and timing and that certain carbs are jacking me up more than others. And all of that is useful, but also it kind of was like, this is making me have more anxiety or negative feelings around food than maybe I need to, because if I don't notice a difference. If I don't notice like a slump in my energy or feeling weird or feeling bad about this, did I need to know that it did that to me? I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but it was kind of just like, yeah. what am I doing with this information? Like, am I just going to never eat plantain chips again? Cause I'm freaked out that my blood sugar is going to be weird. Even if it didn't have any kind of notable difference in how I feel, I don't know. So yeah, talk well, me down. <laughs> Okay, so 150 postprandial is not terrible at all. That's I think that's really in range. You're, I think you're comparing yourself to like the keto crowd, but for the average normal healthy person, 
you know, I, I don't see a problem with that. Um, but the other thing is look at your body composition and look at your, your body fat and right, look at where you are in your cycle. You are a lean individual. The second half of your cycle, you are far more insulin resistant and less sensitive to high glycemic carbs. You don't metabolize them the same way. Okay. So in the second half of your cycle, okay, in the luteal phase. So you want to make sure that, um, you know, you do this in the first half of your cycle. If you really want to know when you're the most insulin sensitive and you can compare and contrast. But I agree with you. Like, I think it's great for, you know, just curiosity. But if you're not doing bodybuilding prep, you don't have weight to lose. Like you're lean on any given day. I really wouldn't sweat it right now. I, I think, yeah, it detracts from just a normal relationship with food. Yeah. For other people, you know, for my diabetic clients or people who have real weight loss resistance or people who have real insomnia issues, then I'm like, let's track it because is that causing you to have insomnia? Are you crashing in the middle of the night? And I think it's really helpful in being a detective for your sleep or your energy for your... Um, sugar cravings for navigating. Do we need to up your protein? Do we need to cut your carbs or flip it the other way? So for somebody starting off, who's also not as knowledgeable as you are, then yeah, I think it's really helpful to give them a framework of like, these are the numbers we're shooting for. This is how we're going to do it. For you, you're already lean. You know, you've got a good amount of muscle on you. That means you've got lots of mitochondria. It means you've got a good amount of insulin receptors. Uh, working the way they're supposed to on any given day. Okay, thank you. I need I needed to be <laughs> to step off the ledge. Down, talk um, down. And I mean, and I I've been talking to some of the people behind the company too, and they were saying like another thing to look at is how quickly, not just what the spike is, but kind of how quickly you come back down to baseline and all of those things. It seems like everything's sort of working out, but it seemed to me again that. One of the things I think we're lacking in the online community around health and wellness is any semblance of nuance, right? So it's just like, everybody's got to be keto. Everybody's got to be a carnivore. Never eat meat ever again. Everybody should have a glucose monitor on all the time and be tracking everything you're doing every day or else. And it just seems like, and this is, I feel like this is what you're saying too. Obviously, baseline understanding is good obviously regular consistent testing when you have a goal that you want to achieve whether that's just improved health getting off medication better body composition whatever tracking helps but the vast majority of us in the middle who are like pretty sorted out don't need to obsess over these things and if we do it can have the exact opposite effect of what we're looking for which is raised cortisol being more stressed being more obsessive having a worse quality of life because all we're doing is looking at our blood sugar every two seconds you know i think i just think That's that they're exactly you know and it goes back to even things that i i feel pretty strongly about which is stuff like you know generally lower carb eating or like a carnivore approach as a reset tool not as a living that way all the time but the more time you spend following people online, you'll think that like you have to do this thing and it has to be your identity and you have to do it forever. When again, for the vast majority of us in the middle, we should be taking all this information in and, and using it as tools in our toolbox. 
this might work for us and it might work for us sometimes. And then you can put it away and do something else. And I think that we just tend to, when something works, we tend to latch onto it and obsess over it. And that becomes like our new thing and our identity. And then when it doesn't work, we feel bad about ourselves. We feel like we failed. We feel like we're not as good as other people, or maybe there's something wrong with us. And it's like, no dude, you just, you know, you don't need to do the most all the time. <laughs> Sometimes doing less is better. So anyway. Yes, this is, no, this is, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is, we're in the middle of an, everything is an attention economy, right? And the people who are the most polarizing online, and you and I know all the doctors and all the people heading this movement, that movement, everything that has a name, <laughs> the, the keto, the carnivore, the this, that, right? They get a lot of attention because the keto people hate the, and the carnivore people hate the vegans. And then the vegans hate the keto. And then the keto hate the car, high carb people and, and dietitians. It's all like, there's a war out there. And the greatest, the, uh, another piece of um, undoing I have to do in my practice is teaching my people to practice strategic ignorance. And I was like yelling at a woman the other day on the phone, not yelling, but I was like, dude, Put down the goddamn diet books already. Like, are you nuts? Are you like practice a little strategic ignorance? Put the blinders on. Just because it worked for your girlfriend Karen and your neighbor Sally, and um, just because they lost 40 pounds on keto doesn't mean you are gonna lose 40 pounds on keto. And you're definitely not gonna be able to sustain it in six months. I have yet to have a single client on keto. A single client. And they're still losing weight, they're still getting lean, they're still improving their numbers, their blood sugar, their lipid panels, their inflammatory markers, they're getting off their medication. We don't mention those words. We just kind of, and I don't adhere to that because also I see a lot of thyroid and adrenal dysfunction long-term on the super low carb diets for women. We have to remember that most of those research studies are done on men. When I wrote Cave Women Don't Get Fat, right? I looked at all the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of studies on intermittent fasting. Only 13 were done on women, okay? Like, remember people. That was the first thing I learned in undergrad when we spent a whole semester looking at research studies and their models. They're usually done on men. Yeah. So why would male physiology apply to you as a woman with a menstrual cycle or with fluctuating hormones or if you're postmenopausal with hormones that are much lower than you were when you were menstruating. So how does any of that apply? So you really have to come at it with a really strong sense of self and intuition and be like, I'm going to just stop with everything and just ask my body like, what do I really feel like eating right now? Not even what does my blood sugar monitor tell me or this. And obviously that's very helpful. I don't want to throw it out, but in context, time and place, sometimes it's helpful. I use it at certain times. Not all of my clients get continuous glucose monitors at all. Most of the time we don't need it. We are complicating things as people. Eating is very simple. If you've ever been to Europe, you know, you can drink the wine, you can eat the croissants, you can have the, the um, oh gosh, the macaroons. Mm -hmm. And like, you're not gaining weight, right? Because you're relaxed, you're happy, you're eating probably the right portion for yourself, you're eating till you're satisfied. Like most people can't even nail that down. I, mm -hmm. Just getting people to nail down the art of enjoying a cookie is... Can take me months <laughs> like take it put it on a plate 
and eat it <laughs> and like enjoy it. I have a whole chocolate shelf in my house. I have Ooh. dark chocolate peanut butter cups. I've got dark chocolate. I've got almond milk chocolate. I have all, uh, cho uh, chocolate. I got at Aldi over the summer in Buffalo. Um, you know, I have all these chocolates. Do I ever sit and binge? No, I have one piece. Or I just made a batch of cookies yesterday. My son was like, mom, can you make me some cookies? Yes. They're almond flour chocolate chip cookies. I have one because it's enough. It's so satisfying. And when you experience pleasure, it's the antidote to shame. Like shame is really sticky, hangs around for a long time. But like, if you're actually enjoying your food, you know, great. That's all you need to stop eating when you're full. And I know it sounds stupidly simple, but that's because it is like, if you just actually put your food on a plate and you don't eat in front of a phone, I've started mm -hmm. leaving my phone upstairs when I go down for meals downstairs. Mm -hmm. um, when there's no distraction, when you're present in your eating, when you're watching your food disappear off your plate and you're chewing it in your mouth and you're swallowing and feeling fullness or satisfaction, you're never going to overeat you're, and you're going to lose weight pretty effortlessly if you're dialed in. It's not hard. I mean, the key word I think that you said earlier is context, and that's what we're missing so much when we are um, following people online or trying to gather information online. There's so much context that's missing, and that's why I think it is important for people who are struggling, who have tried a million things on their own and, and haven't had any luck, to work with a coach, to work with a dietitian, to work with a doctor, because that's where the context comes in. And I love the, uh, I wrote this down, strategic ignorance, love yeah. that. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I mean, I feel like, again, we're, we're in this place where we're either trying, we're like paralyzed by too much information, or we just shut down completely and refuse to take anything new in because we're like, this is all lies, it's all garbage, right? Like it's just, it's a very polarizing uh, time right now, but. Okay, everybody, just a couple quick minutes. Let me tell you about today's show sponsor, Don't Fast Forward, my favorite people, Ancestral Supplements. Has there ever been a company that spoke more to my soul? I don't think so. These guys are very on board with the nose to tail movement and the concept that eating the whole animal guts and all, is the healthiest and most sustainable natural way to do it. They also know that maybe it isn't the most practical thing in the world to just eat kidneys and brains and hearts all day, like I do a lot of the time, if we're being honest. So they've conveniently processed and desiccated these high-quality animal superfoods into pill form for those of you who, you know, aren't maybe ready for a tongue sandwich yet. And no, that is not me being dirty. I literally made a buffalo tongue sandwich the other day, and it was delicious, but that's a whole other topic. Anyway, they have a huge range of offerings from beef liver to a combination of, of beef organs to heart to kidney to bone marrow, tallow, collagen, lung, you name it. Um, and all of them kind of address specific needs or micronutrient requirements um, and you can kind of pick and choose and, and play with them depending on what you need. And you can reach out to them directly and ask, and they will be happy to give you more information. They're super transparent. Look, I'm one of those people who actually eats organ meat, but when I'm not eating it as much, because maybe I don't have any in my fridge, I'm traveling, I'm just not feeling it, um, I use their supplements. And look, I'm just being honest, I haven't had a cold in years. I've got pretty good health and blood markers and all that stuff. And I really believe that that is in large part due to my nutrient dense diet. So if you want to give their products a try, go over there. 
uh, ancestralsupplements.com or use the link in the show notes. Uh, reach out to them on Instagram at Ancestral Supplements. Tell them I sent you. Seriously, if you send them an email or a message on social media, they will get back to you. They're amazing like that. So go check them out and use the code MAVEN10 for a discount. Um, I would start, I would recommend starting with either the beef organ complex or the beef liver, just because you're going to get the most bang for your buck nutritionally. But they, like I said, have all kinds of options. So go and figure it out for yourself, learn a little bit, ask some questions and give it a shot, right? I mean, you really can't lose. So jump on the meathead bandwagon with me, guys. Check out Ancestral Supplements, use the code MAVEN10. And now back to this amazing interview that I just interrupted. I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit because um, you were talking about the, the keto approach and how you don't really use that with your clients or haven't really found that to be particularly um, useful, at least in your practice. Um, and I know you, you did a post relatively recently about the importance of carbs. And that's, again, something that is not really talked about, not super popular in the more recent health cycle. Um, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that, why you believe carbs are important and kind of provide some context for us. Yeah. So carbs, you know, so all falls under context, right? You have to light the right metabolic fire at the right times. So um, everyone's carb tolerance is different. This is why, again, like I'm going to reference cave women don't get fat again, because the whole plan of the book is to teach people their unique carb tolerance. Some people need more some people need less. Some people need more on their workout days and less on their non-workout days. But what are the clinical applications for carbs? Um, sleep, cortisol management, because if you get your insulin up, your cortisol is going to drop. So insulin and cortisol are antagonistic. So, um, and, and people say, well, I can't eat carbs before bed. I'm going to get fat. Well, if you're not sleeping, your cortisol is going to be super off anyway, and so is your blood sugar management. So I'd rather have you get a little bit of insulin at night, get your blood sugar up, get your serotonin and dopamine up, you feel sleepy, relaxed, you go to bed, and you can actually stay asleep. And that writes more metabolic dysfunction than anything. It re revamps your gut health, your immune function, your ability to burn fat, produce growth hormone your ability to stay sensitized to insulin, all those things, right? So um, carbs at night are great for sleep, as I mentioned. Carbs post-workout are great for controlling cortisol. So one thing I have noticed rampant amongst my clients and friends is everyone's getting a Peloton now. Everyone. Must oh be nice. God, those things are crazy expensive. <laughs> Crazy expensive, but the big hook you with the financing, or you know, there's zero financing. Like the payments are low, but you're you're in for life. And there's a cult, like it's like a cult, like following. Like people, there's a lot of engagement. And listen, I'm not dissing Peloton because it gets a lot of people fit. But the problem is, if you are uh, riding that cortisol wave, and this is I see men and women, people who are working more than ever now with COVID because they're working from home. So they're just always online, always working. Or if you are homeschooling your kids and now you have to work late at night because that's your only time to get it done. Or you just have a lot of stress in general and you've hit menopause or and you're drinking lots of caffeine, right? For someone whose cortisol curve is already high and you're, if your metabolized cortisol is high, that means it's high all the time even at night, right? 
Um, so carbs post-workout, again, very high glycemic carbs. Like if someone's doing strenuous um, cardio, or especially with weights, I can have them eating, depending on their workouts and the intensity, I'll have them eating white rice with maple syrup or a couple tablespoons with honey in a, in a smoothie. Um, again, because when you get that beautiful insulin spike, it's anabolic. It helps you build muscle and it shuts off your cortisol. So your body is not always in a fight or flight state. Um, and last but not least, I love carbs for thyroid function. A lot of, I see a lot of thyroid dysregulation or very low hypothyroid and um, in people who've been eating very low carbs, like people who've been doing body comp bodybuilding competitions or people who've been doing keto for long periods of time, that, um, that keto drives your TSH up very, very high. And it's temporary, but it does happen a lot of people. So you wanna make sure, again, you're, you're cycling. If you do do keto, I would recommend cycling on and off or any restricted diet, just mm -hmm. psychologically, physically. Your body needs variety. That's why I think one of your secrets to staying lean, Ashley, is probably because you rotate and you have metabolic flexibility because you are rotating your diet. Absolutely. No. And I mean, and just for quality of life, like you said, like I love yeah. meat, I love high fat, I love all of these things, but I don't want to just eat meat for the rest of my life. I don't want to go months on end without eating carbs. Like I want to live my life at the same time. So we got to figure out how to balance it. Yeah. I mean, I know. I just like big sweet potatoes. Like they're, I just always have sweet potatoes that I can just grab, put some salt on and go. I'm so happy on those. Would so you, really sorry. Depends. Can I just interrupt for one second? Would you recommend, like you're talking about some of this, like the high glycemic carbs post-workout, before bed to help with sleep. Would those recommendations, and I know it depends, but generally speaking, would, would those recommendations still apply to someone who is obese or is trying to, like one of their main goals is trying to lose fat? Right, no. If you're extra, it's a great question. If you're very obese, then... I recommend um, you know, that your carbs are from vegetables and some fruit for a couple months to really reestablish your insulin levels. You get your hemoglobin A1C down, you get your blood sugar under control. Um, in those cases, if you are obese, then your carbs really have to be earned. Um, or if, again, if someone's like, no, I have to have some carbs, then you know, a really low glycemic, high resistant starch uh, high fiber carb like beans or legumes. Um, white potatoes that are refrigerated, like cold, are much higher in resistant starch. Um, a sweet potato has, you know, six and a half grams of fiber per sweet potato. So I will recommend small amounts of those. But when I first went into functional medicine, like the best weight loss diet I would put people on was. Again, unlimited protein, vegetables, good quality fat, and the carbs were fruit and vegetables. And in 30 days, people would drop, you know, 10, 15 pounds. Like Sounds nothing. like paleo to me. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally paleo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, it's yeah. just, it's also real food. Like, and yes. I never have to count calories. I don't make people crazy over calories. I don't have them measuring portion sizes all the time. I'm like, pay attention to your hunger, your energy, your cravings. Like, let's see where you shake out. Yeah. People know their rhythms. They know what time of day they're hungry. They know psychologically what they need. I, I know too. Like, listen, I'm still getting my cycles every month. I know there's going to be two days at the beginning of my cycle. My appetite is super low. 
Then there's a couple days where I'm like ravenous. And then like that last week, I'm snorting lines of chocolate chips off the counter. And then the whole cycle starts again. <laughs> relatable. So that like, is deeply relatable. But you know, and I know, but no, but honestly, and, and to abate the chocolate chips, like I will double my protein on those days when I'm ravenously hungry for a couple days and like things just balance out. I, I really have my cravings well controlled, but if I didn't left unchecked, I would be, I would I be snorting away. <laughs> so, so you have to, you like got to go through this. This is why, you know, I work with the clients, like my starting packages are six months because I say to everyone, you got to have time to fail forward. You got to have time to like learn your body, do the tests, do some supplements, like see how you feel. And people get in rhythm really quick. And once they start sleeping, then their appetite comes down. Their hunger hormones are regulated. They're like, I'm not as hungry. I don't need as much food. You know, um, they're able to like really reset their insulin receptors. So all of that's really good. You know? Cool. Yeah. Carbs, carbs are great. I think they're therapeutic in a lot of ways and we should not give them the heave hope by any means. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I love a carb. I don't want them to go away forever. I think we just need to, <laughs> like I said, with everything else, they're a tool. You don't need them every day to survive. You don't need this many to hit your whatever. You need to figure out when, when you need them, which ones work for you and how to, you know, apply them to your life, not just follow blindly some, you know, macro plate that someone posts on Instagram. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you, I want to switch over into sort of talking about immune health. And that of course is going to tie into gut health as well, but this is something that's very important for people these days. And I wanted to start by asking, um, generally speaking, how do you feel about supplements, supplementing things like, um, vitamin D zinc, uh, stuff like that for people because you know there's this conversation around if you are eating a perfectly optimal healthy diet you don't need to supplement which may or may not be true but I think again that depends on the individual and also most of us aren't eating a perfectly optimal diet so we do probably need to supplement anyway but it seems like there are some very um, universally um, we're, we're universally deficient in some things like magnesium I, I feel like is a big one vitamin D is a big one and with all these conversations around um, like vitamin D supplementation and zinc for immunity against things like COVID. I mean, is this something that you are dealing with with your clients or is that sort of like a way down the road conversation? No, I'm, um, it's funny. I just sent out a newsletter this past weekend about, um, the, uh, with research studies on vitamin D and COVID. So there's a great research site called PubMed. It's P-U-B-M-E-D, PubMed.com. Just put in the search engine vitamin D COVID or vitamin D flu. There is a tremendous amount of clinical research to show that 100,000 units for three days administered orally um, reverses the flu, reverses COVID. Um, vitamin D is one of the most important nutrients that we have in the weapon against the flu or against COVID. Um, so I administer vitamin D for my people, um, based on their blood tests. I just get a regular blood test done for them. And then I see how deficient they are. Um, most people starting out need are deficient because most of us are wearing sunglasses, which if you're wearing sunglasses, you're blocking your body's conversion of sunlight to vitamin D in your body. Um, or we're wearing sunscreen or a combination of both. Uh, so 
Or we live in places where there's hardly any sun ever. Yes. So there's that problem too. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why, I mean, wild Alaskan salmon, like you look at people live in Alaska who are deprived of sunlight. Wild Alaskan salmon has 600 units of international, uh, international units of vitamin D in a six ounce serving. Like that is nature saying, get your vitamin D and here's how. So, um, so yes, supplementation is key because 600 international units is a good amount of vitamin D, but the body, when you're deficient, you need 10,000 units every day for three months to get your levels up. And people say, oh, isn't that so much? I'm like, that's like 10 minutes in the sun without sunscreen. It's really not. And your liver destroys what you don't need. Otherwise, people would be vitamin D toxic who lived in the Caribbean and were in the sun all day. So, Is um, that different though if you're supplementing with like a vitamin D pill supplement? Like can you chronically overdo it or is your body yes. going to sort it out? No, I mean, if you mega dose, like the funniest story is Gary Noll poisoned himself with vitamin D in a product that he was taking. It was like uh, 200,000 units of vitamin D for, you know, months at a time. Then he got toxic. But it is fat soluble, so it can be stored, but it's very hard to get toxicity. Um, you know, even babies, kids, my son, when he was a toddler, and even now I give him 2,000 units every other day. I mean, now he's teenager, I could probably give him 2,000 units every day in the winter. In the, sun, in the summer, I just let him run around without sunscreen, and he gets really dark. So I know he's getting his vitamin D there. But um, yeah, so vitamin D is a must. Uh, zinc and magnesium are totally deficient in our soils. I cannot recommend them enough. At least 30 milligrams uh, a day for an adult, for kids, you know, 10 to 15. Um, and vitamin C, again, this is, I'm just thinking of the cocktail I have at home for my own family. So we have like a liposomal vitamin D that has also K1 and K2. Very, very good for bone density. Um, magnesium, also great for bone density. Um, and, uh, and zinc. So zinc kills, it, it helps improve white blood cell production and it kills off viruses. So zinc is really important. Um, I also like silver. Silver is so gentle. You can take it six teaspoons a day when you're sick. Uh, you can give it to little kids. Uh, you know, I'd give them one, you know, half a teaspoon a couple times a day, but zinc is very gentle at killing viruses, but very, very effective as well. What does silver do? Silver, it, it, it kill, it's a trace mineral, but it, it does, it is antiviral. So interesting because like I was just reading an article earlier today about, um, you know, toxic load and how we should all be paying attention to the products that we're using, the products we're putting on our skin, all of these things, because every single thing on the planet is toxic, depending on the dose, right? And so you can easily be like, I can't, you know, I need to become a bubble person or else I'm going to die. But if you look at the other way where it's like, you, you have decisions you can make every day that can help reduce that toxic load. And so that's a positive, empowering thing. But yeah. one of the conversations within that is this concept of heavy metals and like there can be heavy metal in our water and if we're cooking things in aluminum foil and all of these things so how do we know like you're talking about like trace trace minerals and metals like silver being good and then we're like okay but what if there's aluminum in our like deodorant and like so how do we know what's good yeah. what should we be taking what should we be avoiding you can work with a practitioner and get a test done, get an analysis done to see if you're toxic. I mean, usually the big ones are mercury, cadmium, lead, 
sometimes arsenic, sometimes aluminum. Uh, mercury is the most prevalent and abundant, and it lives in our gut and is very disruptive to the thyroid. Uh, and it's found in seafood, right? Tuna and the big fishes, um, farmed salmon. You know, the larger the fishes, the higher the mercury content. So you can find low mercury tuna where the fish, the tuna are much younger when they're caught. Um, sardines, mackerel, herring. Um, there's Vital Choice makes amazing wild Alaskan salmon. Uh, I believe they ship to Canada too. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, mercury is prevalent. I mean, people have a fillings in their mouth. Uh, it, it's in the air. We're breathing. It's very, very prevalent. So if you think you have mercury toxicity, or even if you just want to know, you can absolutely get tested. Okay. But silver is not something you take every day. You take silver when you're fighting something, when you need an immune response. Um, I don't know if I mentioned vitamin C also. Yeah. That's really critical for immune function. Where would you get <laughs> silver? I've never seen it. Oh, you can get it on, uh, you know, I ship it to people on full script. You can get okay. it on Amazon. There's a brand, again, I have no loyalty to this brand. I just like it and take it myself. It's called Sovereign Silver. I like it because it comes in a big ass bottle. It's like a 32 ounce bottle. So I buy a bottle and it lasts me a really long time. But the second I feel a cold coming on or that little scratch in my throat, I'm like, whoop, I'll gargle with it, hold it in my mouth for 30 seconds and swallow. It doesn't taste like anything. Mm. And I give it to my son when he has a cold, and I swear his cold's gone the next day. Now, to that end, let's talk about the food piece. Obviously, hello, bone broth, Ashley. <laughs> hello. I'm on board with it. On board. Yeah. <laughs> Eating bone broth is, again, one of our secret weapons. Like all winter long, I just have like frozen mason jars of bone broth or chicken broth. Chicken broth I make with chicken feet, and nice. bone broth I'll make with knuckles or neck. We call it like our you know, our, uh, like our meat jello, cause it's mm -hmm. the, the gelatin, the, the collagen's amazing. Um, and I, if I drink like 32 ounces of that over the course of the day, like my cold's usually much, much, much better the next day. It just totally turns things around. Yeah. You could get some great bone broth recipes in this bad boy over here. Okay. No big deal product placement. Um, another, okay, another, so the name of your book is read it. So everyone can know. Hello. It, ta it takes guts. Because it does sometimes to try new things, but it's worth it. Um, but another one that I wanted to talk about or ask you about um, that is, I believe it's like a antioxidant or a, whatever, but it's glutathione, like liposomal glutathione. And the reason why I am I, I'm like extra interested in this one is because I I had the so it's like it's like a liquid that you have to just take like a teaspoon of or whatever, and it tastes so bad. Like I would almost rather be sick than take this, but I, I recognize that it has helped a lot of people. But like, I'm somebody who, again, referenced the book, like I don't bat an eyelash at eating like liver and brains and stuff. And this glutathione, like I want to die when I eat it. It smells like a chemical you'd put in your hair to straighten your hair. It's so bad. Have you ever had this glutathione? I used it as a topical patch. Okay, and that so might be your to... best friend. It's called, uh, there's a company, again, I just order from, it's called Patch MD. Okay. And they just have a topical glutathione. It's got a ton of CoQ10. It's amazing. Yes. You know what else has a lot of CoQ10? Hearts. Hearts. Yeah. yeah. You knew it. You knew it. Of course. Okay. <laughs> of course. Hello. Okay. I love that. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So we're, we're starting to kind of come near the end here and we can talk about any other, if there's anything else that you think is, is going to be valuable to our listeners, but I think maybe just a, um, a, a cue, like a starting off point is, is there anything that the information you're putting out on social media and your newsletters and the clients that you're working with, is there anything specific or new or interesting that people are struggling with now in this very strange time in history that we're living in? Or is it more of the same? It's just sort of with that additional overwhelm on top of it. Like how is the landscape changing in terms of the clients that you're dealing with, the challenges they're coming to you with and how you're dealing with it? Or is it just, you know, same, you just got to keep up the consistent basic uh, practices that you're always talking about. Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, that people are realizing now is what life can be. Like, I think people realize that work is totally overrated, that we need to connect more than ever. I think people are so appreciative of the downtime. Um, I can tell you how incredibly grateful I am that my husband is not commuting 20 hours a week right now. No joke. Two hours each way to and from New York City. Um, and we're all like, oh my God, this is the best thing that ever happened to us. Now it's been, it's been challenging in, in many ways, but, um, but in a lot of ways, I think people are really clear on what's important and what's necessary. And I do see, I mean, you see a lot of articles that are pretty heavy on like the intense amount of drinking that a lot of moms are doing. Um, and I say moms because the reality is even if moms, Moms are working, a lot of the schooling falls on a lot of moms. Um, I'm fortunate that is not the case in my house, but it does happen. So I do see an increase in alcohol and, and weight gain in a lot of people in a shorter amount of time, like the stress. But again, I, in other people, and many people, like they're getting in the best shape of their life. They've lost weight. They're working out more. They're able to like take care of themselves because they have four hours a day back to themselves where they're not commuting. They're more efficient. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I like to focus on the positive in that way. I yeah. think it's important. Yeah. I, I mean, I would echo that for sure. Like I said earlier in our chat that, you know, I've been very busy during this time, but I think that there was uh, for a lot of my very ambitious, hardworking friends, there was sort of this like collective, um, letting go of like guilt around not being busy all the time or being okay with having just time where you don't have anything to do. And there was certainly like a period of discomfort around that where there would be days where maybe we weren't going to an office anymore or we didn't know how to structure our days. I mean, I've always for a long time worked from home. So that part wasn't as difficult for me, but, but having these periods where you're just okay with not being hyper-connected on your screens or not not doing that commute and not having to put on a outfit to go to work. Like I have sweatpants on right now. Like this is a cute top, but I'm wearing sweatpants on the bottom. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> but you know, like, <laughs> again, it's, it's what's important. It's like this work that we're doing right now, this is something that fills my cup that I love, that I think is important, that doesn't drain me. It doesn't take from me. And I'm okay with having a, an hour break after this where I'm sitting around maybe reading a book in my sweatpants because that's helping me balance and be healthy and happy. And I think that, yeah, what you said, I think a lot of people are finding it. Some, some people, it was more of a struggle. Some people, they kind of held on to this notion of like, let's get back to what it was before. But I think a lot of people are figuring out what the new normal is for them and incorporating the things that matter and 
and being able to get rid of the things that just don't. And if that's something that comes out of this scary time for most people, I think that'll be net positive, I hope. Yeah, and a lot of people too are kind of realizing like home is where the Wi-Fi is. You know, I know many, many people that have just relocated or are, you know, one of our former colleagues, like he's in the Caribbean with his family until further notice and he just works from there. And other people I know, teachers I know are teaching, you know, in different states because they're just like, well, I'm going to go stay with family for a while. And they're just rebuilding their pods and and rethinking what work can be. And that's like incredible. I mean, that's like innovation at its best. Absolutely. Is there anything that you are working on that's new or anything you want to tell people about? Um, Or secondarily to that, how can people kind of get in touch with you if they want to work with you? Yep. So um, I just loaded up my newest lead magnet up on my website. Um, You go to estherblum.com forward slash cravings. And it's a three-part video series on how to crush your cravings. I built it at the beginning of COVID. Um, and at the end of it, you will get a free ebook as well. And um, the opportunity to book a call with me for 30 minutes. This is complimentary. It's a call where you and I hop on. We talk about what's going on with you, what your goals are. And you leave the call with three customized strategies that help you reach the goal. So um, my website is estherblum.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-B-L-U-M. And I'm most active on Instagram. So what do I have going on? I've used this time, just a little, you know, opening up the kimono so you could see the workings of my business. I really use this time. And I sat down with my business coach and my VA and we were like, how are we going to plan out the next few months with content? So my goal is to get really consistent with my content and each month have a new theme. You know, we're going to tackle hormones, uh, menopause, we're going to tackle gut, we're going to tackle, you know, sleep, we're going to tackle thyroid, we're going to tackle so many things and really unpack them um, and generate a lot of content. So and I've been doing videos. So it's, you know, I'm really trying to build that piece up where I'm giving, putting more content out more consistently. That's my biggest challenge in all of this. Cause I just want to hang out with my family when I'm not, when I'm not seeing clients, I'm like, oh, can we just be in our jammies and hang and or go for yeah. walks and hikes, you know? Okay. I love that. We can talk offline about that. Cause that's my next goal too, is like, how do okay. I like make this more of a strategy instead of just like, uh, it's another day. So I guess I better post some stuff so no one forgets about me. Like, you know, there's, there's a way I mean, to I, be more strategic. It's so funny because I feel like you're so good at that and you're so consistent and on point. I'm like fly by the sea in my pants. It's not planned right now. I appreciate that. But I think, I think it's one of those things where, you, you know, everyone hits like levels in their career where they're, they want to start spending more time on like, I don't know, higher hanging fruit rather than the low ha- lower hanging fruit. And I'm coming just to a point where I never want like someone to manage my social media for me. I always want to be the real person, but I also want it to be a little bit more strategic so that I'm using my time more wisely, I think, because um, I'm getting to a point where that can start to be a bit more of a drain than than it needs to be. So, um, but yeah, we can, we can chat about that offline. You can give me some words of wisdom. Um, Esther, thank you so much for taking the time. I always love chatting with you. You're just so positive. You've got so much information and so much valuable free information for people, which is incredible. So thank you for what you do. And please come back on again. Maybe after I do my, uh, I take this thing off the CGM, off. <laughs> come back on and talk to me a little bit more. 
We'll do a good mental detox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Have a good day. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's a wrap for today, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, I would love to hear your feedback. If you have any for me about the podcast in general, about any guests that you'd like or topics you'd like me to cover, the best way to reach out to me is on Instagram at the Muscle Maven. But you can also send me an email. Uh, you can reach me through my website, ashleyvanhouten.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there as well. Um, Stay tuned. This month coming up, November, I've got some great guests. I've got some cool topics. I'm pumped to keep going with the podcast, make it bigger and better. Um, But I'd love your feedback and I'd love your support if you could leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So that's that. Thanks to our show sponsor, Ancestral Supplements. They just sort me out during my times of stress when I'm not making my own liver and heart. They provide me with grass-fed high quality desiccated organ meat supplements. Actually, I'm going to be trying some new products from them. Not new products, they're just new for me. Um, There's an adrenal support product and then there's also the beef kidney, which I don't know if I've tried, but that's supposed to be a good one for um, managing histamine uh, issues and when you're having histamine responses to the food that you're eating, which I do sometimes get when I'm super stressed out. So I'm gonna be trying these new products to see if they kind of manage some of the the suboptimal symptoms that I've been getting during stressful periods. It'll be interesting to see because usually when I use these supplements, it's more of just sort of keeping my health at an even keel. It's not necessarily to address specific problems that I have. So this will be um, a fun experiment. I will keep you posted. But if you are interested in learning more about ancestral supplements, maybe you're not quite ready to uh, eat nose to tail yet, but you're okay with... um, supplementing, which is great. It's a great start. Um, You can go to ancestralsupplements.com and use the code MAVEN10 and you'll get a discount. If you have any questions about the products, just send me a message and I'd be happy to help out if I can. All right, that's a wrap. Have a wonderful week and I will see you back here on Tuesday.